Psalm 18. So if you have your Bibles, take them and turn there, please. And this morning, I want to talk to you about God as your refuge. This was a, a common theme through the book of Psalms. David discovers early in his life that God is, in fact, his refuge. What is a refuge? What is a refuge? You've heard the term refugee. A refugee is somebody who needs a refuge. And a refuge, by definition, is a shelter from danger or hardship. It's something or someone turned to for assistance or security. It's a safe place. Now, this morning... Uh, I want us to recognize that every one of us needs a refuge. Would would you agree with that today? And uh, maybe maybe don't realize it at the moment, but hopefully by the time I'm done, you'll see just how much you need a refuge. And I'm praying, my desire, my, my prayer is that you'll see that God is your refuge. Now, most of us know something about David of the Old Testament. We know that he fought lions and bears to protect his sheep because he was a shepherd. We know that he was the youngest in his family. We know that he wasn't terribly good-looking. We know that uh, uh, outwardly uh, he wasn't really that magnificent. We know that he won the the Israeli Idol competition. You've heard of American Idol. He won the, Ameri- the Israeli Idol competition. Uh, the king needed someone to come and play the harp for him, and David somehow won the competition, and he became the king's own personal harpist. And his job was to play the harp and to soothe the spirit of the king. We know that David, little David, the boy David, won the battle against the giant Goliath. We know that, right? And we know also that David went on to win the heart of the king's daughter, Michal. We know that David become, became Israel's greatest king. And, uh, He holds that reputation to this day. We know that David is the one responsible for writing many of the Psalms. So we step back and we look at this great man, David, and you think to yourself, how how on earth could I relate to him? I mean, he had it all. He was brilliant. He was a king. Uh, Any king sitting here? (laughs) Uh, How do you relate to this guy? He he had it all. He was uh, he was. Uh, a magnificent fighter. He was uh, incredible bravery, uh, incredible, incredible boldness. He had a, a great tactician's mind, a, a ability to strategize and to see what he wanted to come to pass, in fact, come to pass. But what most of us fail to recognize is that in the midst of all of this greatness is a man who struggled a man who was constantly under attack, a man who needed a refuge. 
And so this morning, I want you to acknowledge and recognize that David is, in fact, very much like you and me, that, in fact, the God who was David's refuge is available today to be your refuge. We don't often think of the fact that David was the... was the fighter of lions and bears, whose life was, was at, at risk. He fought them all alone. He didn't have a shotgun. He didn't have any pistols at his side. All he had was a crude instrument called a sling for firing stones. We don't think of him as, as somebody hated by his brothers, but in fact he was. His brothers Remember, as he came to fight, Goliath thought he was being obnoxious and conceited. You don't think of him as as the one second in line to the throne and as one who was a threat to the present king. You don't think of him as as somebody who was constantly under temptations the way you and I are tempted. But there it is, a man very much like us, and yet a man that God said was a man after his own heart. So let's take a look at this passage of Scripture. This is uh, the outpouring of David's heart. We're just reading the the very first three verses. But I want you to note something before we read them. David wrote these words. The Bible, in your Bible, it may say this before the, the passage starts. It's one of the, the few Psalms that actually has an introduction. And we don't, you know, so oftentimes we'll skip over that because we think, well, that's not, there's no number beside it, so it's not a real verse. But I want you to know that this is, in fact, included in the Scripture. Uh, even though it hasn't got a number beside it, even though we don't consider it a verse, it's still part of the Scripture. And look at what it says by way of introduction to Psalm 18. It says, The director of music, for the director of music, of David the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Okay, so we recognize right off the bat that David is a man who is acquainted, very acquainted with the need for a refuge. And so these are the very first words he says in this psalm, and maybe we could read it together. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. So David teaches us, how, in fact, to survive the storms of this life. And the very thing we recognize is that we need to run to our refuge, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, first of all, I want to ask you this question. Because although we all say, yes, yes, I agree, I agree. That's a good verse. David's got the right idea. I agree with this. The fact of the matter is, is that so often God is not our refuge. He is not the one that we turn to. And so I want to ask you that question this morning. What is your refuge? And who is your refuge? I'm going to say this to you. David says in Psalm 18, verse 1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. That's how he begins this passage. I love you, O Lord, my strength. What is David saying here? 
You know what he's saying? He's saying this. He's saying God is number one in my life. God is my first love. Now, this is very consistent with what we read in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible. What does it say the greatest commandment is? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. In fact, God has got to be number one. And that's what we see here. David is making this declaration that he is number one, that God is number one in his life. There is nobody who comes before God. I'll tell you this today, that whatever you love the most is your God or is your idol. Did you know that? Whoever or whatever you love the most is your God or is your idol. And it follows then that whatever and whoever you love is, in fact, your refuge. Now, David knew that God was his only hope and the only one who could help him. He learned that, as it were, by being in the field and being faced with death or God's help. Now, the, the thing is this. I don't think any of us here today uh, comes out of his house in the morning and finds a, a, a lion sort of waiting there, stalking you. you, know, you nobody finds that. I mean, I heard about a lady who was attacked by a, by a mountain lion in Banff, but that doesn't happen too often. So most of us, you know, we, we, you know, we find our own way and we say, God, we, you know, I, don't, I, I need you and I want you and I love you. And we, we, we give lots of lip service, but the reality is, is that... We don't really depend on God the way David did. Whoever or whatever you love the most is your God. It's your idol. In Deuteronomy 32, verses 37 to 38, it says this. He will say, now where are their gods? The rock they took refuge in? Deuteronomy. Moses is pointing out the fact that there's some people who don't turn to God as their refuge. And so he says, they will, he will say, now where are their gods? The rock they took refuge in. Verse 38, the gods who ate the fat of their sacrifice and, and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise up to help you. Let them give you shelter. Aha. Here's the thing, my friends. You will discover, as Moses declared in Deuteronomy 32, that no one and nothing will give you the help that God will give you. And we read this right at the very, at the very beginning of, of your Bible, Deuteronomy 32. And we said it last week, and we're going to say it again. You can only serve one master. You can only have one, one God. You can't have multiple, multiple gods or multiple loves. Some people treat God as, as one of the things that's in their life. So to, to categorize them, you know, Sunday is my time for God, and Monday's my time for video games, and Tuesday's my time for, for going to the club, and, and Wednesday's my day to go to, to play bingo. And, and God is categorized as though he were one of the activities in your life. But David is saying he's not one of the activities in your life. He should be your life. He should occupy all of your thoughts. He should occupy all of your days. So who is God in your life? And it's easy to say, Jesus. That sounds like the right answer, doesn't it? Jesus. But what's the reality in your life? Well, look at David. David, I'm sure, being the kind of talented, gifted man that he was, must have been tempted to lean on his own gifts and talents, to lean on his own understanding. He's extremely talented. He's extremely 
spiritual and godly. He's, uh, he's a, a gifted harpist. I mean, if he were, if he were alive today, I think if he wasn't a Christian, he'd be, he'd be a rich songwriter in maybe Nashville, Tennessee or somewhere, writing great songs. He's a prolific, prolific writer. And came up with great melodies, great tunes. But that was not number one in his life. He didn't hide in that. He didn't think, well, you know, I'm going to take this on the road. This will make me rich and then I'll be safe and secure. Has anybody seen the American Idol that's been taking place recently? You see, we're not talking about a couple thousand kids. We're talking about stadiums full of kids that want to be idols. What's the attraction? If I can make it big, then what? Then I'll be secure for the rest of my life. If I can have fame and fortune, I'm going to be secure for the rest of my life. Do you realize today that God has got to be first in your life, and that's the only way that you're going to be safe and secure? There's a great fighter, excellent, excellent mind. I said a great strategist. There's nothing he couldn't do. He was, he was the, the, the best of the best. And yet he didn't rely on that. He didn't rely on his own wisdom. He didn't rely on his own skills, his own talents, his own music. He relied on one thing and one person, and that was God. And who's your refuge today? Are you relying on your own skills, your own talents, your own brilliance? Relying on your, on your pocketbook, your, your, the money you've got in your bank account? Are you relying on, what are you, what are you relying on? David relied only on God. In fact, in Psalm 118, this is going on now through the book. We're at Psalm 118. I'm talking about Psalm 118. A hundred Psalms later, this is what David says. He says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Because people will let you down. It's so easy, isn't it, to run to people, to find, to find refuge and strength, but they're going to let you down. It's, it's, it's so tempting to run to your parents and hope that they're going to be your refuge, but even parents are going to let you down. Even your kids will let you down. How many know that today? Even, even your banker will let you down. Hello? <laughs> even your boss will let you down. And so the, the psalmist says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. And then verse 9 says, it's better to, tr- to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. He's saying, even, even the government is going to let you. How many know the government will let you down? Isn't that true? Even the government will let you, even your boss, anybody who's in a position of authority will let you down. But there is somebody who never fails, and that's Jesus. So this morning, the very first thing you need to do is you need to recognize and acknowledge who and what your refuge is. And if it's not God, then today, before you leave this place, then you need to say, God, forgive me for not putting you first in my life. Forgive me, God, for trusting in my own wisdom, my own strength, my own talents and skills. And we've got some very talented and very skilled people here today. But I'm telling you today that that is not enough to get you through this life. You need Jesus. You need to make him the refuge of of your life. And so this is what the psalmist says. He says, God is my refuge. He declares his great love for God. And then he says, in fact, God is my refuge. Let's read that. I, I, we have to read it one more time. It's fantastic. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. 
My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So David learned very early that there is no other refuge. He learned really, really soon, really early in his life that God as his refuge was, first of all, his, his fortress. It's his protection. Remember, as a boy, <laughs> it just blows my mind. I mean, I can't imagine doing this today. But imagine, he's a, he's a young boy, and his dad says, Okay, David, you, uh, you're now out of your diapers. <laughs> now you go, no, it was a little older than that. You're, you're old enough now to go out into the fields and live with the sheep and to take care of them. And uh, you can come home uh, maybe once a week or twice a week. And that's literally what happened. Here's this young boy who's sent out into the fields all alone where there are wild animals lurking. Now, you won't, I don't think you're going to find any bears or lions lurking in Israel, in the Israeli backcountry today, but back then they sure did. And there he learned, he learned to make God his fortress and his protection. He learned that even though, remember when, when Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse, that, by the way, that's his, that's his uh, father, David's father. He came to Jesse and he said, Jesse, God wants me to anoint one of your sons to be the next king in Israel because God has rejected Saul. Saul, was a, Saul had, had been a, a huge disappointment to God. And God's going to appoint one of Jesse's sons. And so all the brothers come before Samuel. And Samuel looks at all those and thinks, man, this is a good-looking guy. He looks like he's got it together. He looks intelligent. looks smart. This must be the one. And God speaks to Samuel's heart and says, no, this is not the one. And Samuel says, what? No, that's not the one. And then, well, it must be the next brother then. No, that's not the one. And the next brother? No, that's not the one. Finally, David, Samuel's looked at all the brothers, and, 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 and God's not giving the, the go-ahead. And, and Samuel says to Jesse, well, okay, do you have any other kids? Do you have any more sons anywhere? Well, we do have my youngest. He's out in the field with the, you know, with the animals, but that can't be the one, is it? Well, Samuel says, well, let's give it a try. <laughs> bring him in. They bring him in, and then God speaks into Samuel's heart and says, man looks at the outward appearance. But I look at the man's heart. And so this was the one. And from that moment on, David is hated by his brothers because he has been chosen. Chosen above his elder brothers. And David learns to run to God. In that moment of rejection, he runs not, not to his dad, he doesn't go running to his brothers to plead that, please like me, please love me, please don't reject me. He doesn't do that. He runs to God, his refuge. Who do you run to? Because I'm going to tell you something. You can't change people's hearts. You cannot change the circumstances in your life. You, there's nothing that you can do. You're powerless. You could maybe bribe your brothers but does that mean that they love you? No, they don't. What you have to do, my friends, is you have to turn to God. He is your only refuge. He's your only hope. He's your only help. There he is. Comes to bring his brother some food into town and finds out that, that, the, that the nation of Israel is in a standoff against the Philistines because of a giant by the name of Goliath who wants... Who's, who's, who's cursing the God of Israel and cursing the Israelites. 
and blaspheming. And David comes along and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that brings shame on the name of God? And he gets clued in real quick. And he says, well, I'm going to go and fight him. And then his brothers get really mad. You little show off, who do you think you are? I mean, I have an older brother and sister. I know what David went through. Little show off, who do you think you are? David went and picked up his stones, and you know the story. Got that thing spinning, and Goliath is down the ground. And what does David think at that moment? I'm awesome. I'm wonderful. There is no one in the land like me. No. You know what he thinks? He thinks, wow, God is my, my fortress. God is awesome. God is awesome. God is good. David is on the run for his life because Saul wants to kill him. Saul also is jealous and mad at David. Because David is a threat to him. And Saul's trying to kill him and David's on the run. And it seems that wherever David goes, he's able to just, just, just one step ahead, stays one step ahead of King Saul. And all the soldiers of the land can't catch David. They just can't catch him. By the way, you see that, see that picture there? Those are some of the caves in, in Israel. And it's, uh, it's amazing. You can't see it, but right here is a tiny little speck. That's a human being standing there. That gives you, that gives you some perspective of how massive that cave is, that refuge is. And David, we find, is, is able to hide in these places. But my friends, this is a, a fantastic metaphor for who God is. A great place to hide, a great place to find refuge and help in your hour of need. Ah, David says, the Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. He's my, my rock, sure footing against confusion. How many, how many find themselves confused at times? How many know today that, that, God said, that the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion? He's your rock. When things don't seem to make sense, when things just don't seem to line up, then you run to the rock. You run to your refuge. Now, I'll tell you, if anybody had a reason to be confused, it would be David, right? I mean, he's been anointed to be the king. And now he's running around Israel like a refugee. What's going on around here? God, where are you? Have you ever asked that question? God, I thought you're on my side. I thought you loved me. I mean, you anoint. I've been, I've been anointed. I've been, I've been given gifts and talents and now I'm, I'm on the run. Where's God? He fights Goliath, plays the harp for the king. And then the king picks up his spear and hurls it at him. And David's like, what is going on here? I've been given these talents and these skills, and now I'm under attack. This doesn't make sense. Have you ever wondered that? Things don't go right in your life. And you think, God, where are you? And this none of this makes sense to me. My friends, that's a time you need to run to the rock of your salvation. You need to run to your refuge. Because although you may not be able to figure it out, God's got a bird's eye view of what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly why things are the way they are. And you need to trust him. He's called the greatest soldier. Remember, remember the song that people were singing about David? Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. 
And David's like, I don't get it. Why does everybody hate me? Have you ever wondered that? Has that ever crossed your mind? God, where are you? I thought you were on my side. Now, here's the thing, my friends. God is on David's side. God was on David's side. God had not deserted David. And God had a reason. And in hindsight, how many know hindsight's 2020? We can look back and see that God developed kingly character in this man. But at the time, David doesn't know what's going on. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're going through a hard time, you're going through a struggle right now, and you think, God, I thought, how come you're not answering my prayers? God, none of this makes sense. Understand something. God is working in you. He's transforming you. He's giving you kingly character, the character of a king. Because you know what? You belong to his family. And God wants us to be like him. And so he's going to allow you to go through some difficult times. Did you know that David married Saul's daughter, Michal? He had to go, and I'm not going to tell you the details uh, right this moment, uh, how he got to win the hand of the king. And if you know your Bible story, you, you know what I'm talking about. But suffice it to say that David killed his, his hundred Philistines and then was able to bring back the proof of it. He gets the daughter. that He is now the son-in-law of the king, and still it's not enough. And still he's under attack. And David says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield from satanic attack. Well, Saul had his soldiers out trying to kill him, but David kept running to the rock of his salvation. He was God was a shield for David. Now listen to this. David... So, so many, I mean, I remember when I was reading this as a boy and wondering why on earth, when David had the chance, didn't he just kill Saul? Why didn't he just wipe Saul off the map? That would be the end of his problems. <laughs> you know, that's what it means to take refuge in yourself. When you start figuring out your own plans and your own way of dealing with your problems. How many know that left to ourselves, we will make wrong decisions? How many know that? We will, we will try to solve our problems the wrong way. But David found that God was his shield. And in that moment when he's tempted to kill the king, God steps in as a shield and protects him from doing what is evil. And David does not kill the king. He lets God deal with Saul in his own way. Now, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Because as parents, I know I have made some stupid, stupid mistakes. As a pastor, I've made some stupid mistakes. As a, as, a, as a human being, I've made some stupid mistakes. But I can tell you this. Every time I run to my refuge, my God, I find that he shields me from stupidity. <laughs> and he helps me make right decisions. He gives me wisdom to know what to do and what not to do. Have you done some stupid things? Said some stupid things? Well, could it be that you're relying on your own wisdom and not turning to God who is your refuge? It says here that God is, God is the horn of his salvation. By the way, that word horn, Hebrew, a Hebrew expression for strength. I'm going to tell you something. David was a man who understood weakness. He was exhausted, on the run constantly, always. I mean, can you imagine living that, looking over your shoulder all over the time, wondering, is this going to be the day when I'm going to get a, a, an arrow between my shoulder blades? Is this going to be the day? He was exhausted emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, on the run, on the go. 
What do you do when you're weak and you feel like I can't put one more step in front of the other? Well, you do what David did. Run to, run to God. Run to God who is your refuge. Well, how do you, you say, okay, Pastor, how do I do that? Like, is there, can you give me an address? <laughs> give me the address so I can get to this place called the refuge. Is there a, is there a place? I'll, I'll Google it on Google Maps. I'll find it on the map. But tell me where this refuge is. Is, is that it? Can I go there? No, I'll tell you where the, where the, where the place of refuge is. I'm going to tell you how to activate your refuge because everybody has one. And look what it's, David tell, David gives us the clue. David says, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from mine enemies. Okay, here it is. Here it is. The place of refuge, my friends, is going into the, into the presence of Almighty God. And do you know that you can do that at any time, even when you're in the car? Well, okay, if you're in the car, pull over and, and then go into prayer. But if you're in, emer- in an emergency situation, you can drive along and you can call on the name of the Lord as you're driving even, and you'll find God's help. That's how you activate the refu- the, this refuge, by calling on the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. David, because of the many storms in his life, learned to run to his refuge, the Lord God, on a daily basis. That's why we have so many psalms. Has anybody read the psalms? 150 of them. Basically, you could read five a day and you could get through them in a month. Fantastic place of refuge. Forty-three times we find David referring to God as his refuge. You see, my friends, listen to me. You and I, remember I said this last week, you and I don't belong to this world. Did you know that? We, we're, we're aliens here. And we're passing through. We're going to another place. This world is not our home. How many know that today? You and I are refugees. We're refugees in this world. And my friends, the place that refugees go to is the refuge. And God is our refuge. So how do you activate this refuge? By learning to come to God on a daily basis to pray. And that's exactly what David did over and over again. And he's writing out these fantastic Psalms and pouring out his heart to God. And that's what God wants you to do. Pour out your heart to him and you'll find his peace flooding your heart and bringing you peace and bringing you joy. And even though you don't understand the confusion and the whirlwind and the storm and the hail that's beaten down on you, you're safe because you're in his presence. And there in his presence is everything that you need. And that's what David discovered. When he went to the presence of God, he found protection from the attacks of this world. Oh, people could say whatever they wanted against him. They could call, call him all kinds of names, but he didn't care because he was safe in the place of refuge. How many of us here today have been called names? People are attacking, maybe are attacking you at work, at school. I just read about a young girl that, that hanged herself because of the attacks that she was getting from her. She's being bullied by her friends. Did anybody see that on the CNN? She just couldn't take it anymore. Oh, that she would have, somebody would have told her about Jesus, that she could have run to the place of refuge and found help and strength and protection. But my friends, when you run to Jesus, there's safety there, there's security there. You're being beat up at work. People are nasty to you at work. Maybe you're finding it right in your own home. Run to the refuge and you'll find protection and you won't care. 
You won't care when you're in the presence of Almighty God what anybody says about you or thinks about you. David ran to his refuge and he found clarity amidst the confusion. God, I don't understand what's going on. I'm supposed to be the next king, but I'm under attack. What's going on? And he comes into the presence of God and says, God, I'm leaving in your hands. You're my refuge. I have nothing to worry about. Activate your refuge by coming to that place of prayer. In that place of prayer, he found strength in the midst of his weakness. Now, listen to me. I just want to say this to you. I'm going to wrap it up in just a minute. The prevailing preaching method today is to do a how-to. How to have a good marriage. How to have a good family life. How to get along. How to have friends. How to do well at work. How to succeed. How to be, how to be financially this and how to do this and how to do that. In fact, if you go to the bookstore, you'll find that the biggest section in the store is the how-to section. If you watch TV, you'll know that the greatest programming is the how-to. Do it yourself. But listen to me. We cannot reduce our Christianity to a how-to. How to be successful in your marriage and how to be successful at home. And how, Because, yes, we want you to be successful. We want you to do well. But listen to me. I cannot stand here today and say, do A, B, C, and D. If you do that, everything's going to be fine. Listen to me. That's religion. That's a formula. I can send you home with a formula. You do that and everything's going to be fine. And actually, at the end of the day, you don't need God after all. But what I'm talking to you is about more than formulaic Christianity. I'm talking about more than religion. I'm talking about a relationship with Almighty God where when you get into that quiet place, when you get into your prayer closet, God speaks to you and leads you and shows you things that I could never show you. I could never say to you. That's what God wants for you. He wants an authentic Christianity where he has an authentic relationship with you, where he speaks to you and you speak to him. That, my friends, is what Christianity is all about. And that's what God wants for your life. And it will never happen by simply sitting here Sunday after Sunday. I'm flattered that you come to hear me speak. But that's not the answer. What you need is you need to go to the refuge. You need to go to that quiet place. And you need to pour out your heart to God and allow him to speak to you because that's what he wants to do. And that was the success of David. Ran to God. And God spoke to his heart. And he poured out his heart to God in these marvelous psalms. Do you know that you could be writing psalms too? Please don't write psalms and send them to me by email. That's, That's not what I'm asking for. But I'm telling you, you can have your own personal relationship with God. There's a beautiful old hymn. Whenever I was, when I was in Bible school, we'd have to do services at the senior citizen home. And I'd ask the, the seniors, many of which had, had the, the onset of dementia and, and different things. But when I asked them, what hymn do you want to sing? Nine times out of ten, the very first one would be in the garden. Anybody know that one? We don't sing it anymore. Uh, but listen, listen to the words. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. You know the words, don't you? And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Father, I pray this morning that your people would learn what it means to run to their refuge, 
to come to that place of prayer, to hear the voice of God, to run to that place where there is protection, where there's a rock against the confusion of this world, where there's a shield against stupidity, where there's a horn of strength against the weaknesses that we experience. Oh, God, help us to learn the lesson of hiding in you. Help us to learn the lesson of finding our refuge in God, our strength. We thank you today, Lord. Your desire is to help us. Your desire is to lead us. Your desire is to guide us. Help us, Lord, to come daily to that place of refuge. In Jesus' name.